Uh, so before I go any further, I actually want to do a quick disclaimer. I may or may not burst into spontaneous song at different points in the message. So <laughs> this is like, <laughs> um, so not only is music uh, a key way that I communicate with God and God communicates with me, but uh, in my day-to-day -day life, um, music, especially singing, is very much a part of my heart language. Uh, so sometimes I'm like sitting in a seminar and and just a song comes into the head because somebody said something and I'm like, oh, this reminds me, like, oh, I'm gonna sing, oh, nope, calm yourself down. Okay, we cannot sing in the middle of the seminar. If I lived in a musical, I would be in my perfect world, but I don't. Um, so anyway, singing is a language of my heart and because speaking with you all today requires a level of vulnerability and having my heart closer to the surface, that may happen. It may not, but just a little heads up. <laughs> So I am here in Providence, came here uh, the second time I've lived here, and I am here as a PhD student. And uh, I have actually moved around quite a bit. I consider Pittsburgh my hometown, though. Um, and because I'm from Pittsburgh, I mean, I'm up in this heathenish patriots territory, which y'all, yeah, y'all giggle. But it's like, oh, y'all don't know any better, it's okay. I mean, even the pastor just comes up here and talks about how the Patriots are great and like leading the people astray. But that's okay. <laughs> it's all right. My dad and I in our Sunday afternoon talks, every time Andrew mentions it, it's just like, we'll, we'll intercede for him. We'll intercede for him. Um, so yeah, so I still have a younger brother and a niece that lives in Pittsburgh, while my parents and my older brother, my older sister, and my nephew, O.C., uh, all live down in Savannah, Georgia. I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit about O.C. So O.C. loved Mickey when he was infant toddler stage. Um, and it's been four years since I've last heard the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse theme song, but I know it by heart because he wanted to listen to it over and over and over again, Jesus. And Auntie made the mistake once of using the Mickey Mouse voice for one of his toys, even though the toy itself, you press its hand, the Mickey Mouse voice comes out. Yeah, my bad, because as soon as that happened for an hour, I could not escape because he wanted Auntie to use the Mickey Mouse voice over and over and over again. At one point, I had to like secretly switch off Mickey and like lay him down and say, shh, Mickey's sleeping. Oh, okay, okay. So imagine this little boy getting to Disney World for the first time to see Mickey Mouse. Okay, so this was really exciting for him. I couldn't make it. Oh, the whole family went and I just couldn't get there. But my parents told me the story later. They're standing in line. Osi's holding my mother's hand and he is trembling. And he looks up at my dad, who he calls Papa. He says, Papa, I'm cold. I'm cold. And the thing is, is that <laughs> the room wasn't actually cold. It's just that there was so much excitement coursing through that little body, it didn't know what to do with itself. And then Mickey Mouse comes out, and my dad captures the moment perfectly when O.C. first sees Mickey right there. It's just that face. I love that face. I mean, can you imagine being on the receiving end of a look like that? And I thought, as soon as my dad sent me the picture, I said, oh, God, I want to look at you that way. Just that wonder, it reminded me of a song uh, that we'll be singing at the end of service called Wonder. And uh, there's this line, 
Wide-eyed and mystified, may we be just like a child, staring at the beauty of our king. Just that line. Ah, oh, that face and how I want us to cultivate that heart, that wonder inside of us. So this morning, I want to remind you all of the childlike wonder and breathtaking awe uh, that God wants us to see and experience. I want to warn you all of some of the things that can come into our life to, lives to rob us of that wonder. And I want to encourage you to seek for and stumble into that awe and wonder. So first, what is a wonder? Let's consider this. Wonder is most often used as a noun in the Bible to refer to a specific type of thing. And there are many words uh, that are translated into wonder. One in the Old Testament is the Hebrew word bele, which is especially used to refer to something that is difficult to understand and hard to comprehend fully. But the most common noun in the Old Testament that's used is mofaith. And it means a conspicuous, beautiful, splendid display of God's power or a miracle. For example, Jeremiah, a prophet, says to God, you have brought your people, Israel, out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders. Now, the signs and wonders that Jeremiah was referring to here are the signs that God sent to Egypt when his children, Israel, the desert tribe, had been enslaved there for years, centuries of time. And God sent those signs and wonders as proof to the nation of Israel that he is their God and proof to Egypt itself that he is God. Now, in the New Testament, the noun most frequently translated as wonder is the Greek word teras. The writer of Acts stated, people of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, that is teras there, and signs through him as you well know. Like Mofeth, teras refers to something that is so strange or out of the ordinary that it draws someone's fixed attention, in particular a miracle. It is the conspicuous display of God's power. So then what is a wonder? Something that is a wonder is beautiful and difficult to comprehend. It is an extraordinary display that is conspicuous and splendid proof of God's power and wisdom. It draws your attention and it fascinates you. So then what is our response when we see a wonder? Something that inspires wonder, something that is a wonder, inspires various responses inside of us. And we're going to focus on two of those responses today, awe and well, wonder. So first is wonder. In Matthew 15, verses 30 to 31, we see that crowds of people came to Jesus, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healed, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. The work of Christ is a wonder, and it inspires this wonder inside of us. And this wonder then leads us to glorify God. It leads us to worship our God. And then there's the response of awe. In the Old Testament in particular, the 
words translated for awe can also be translated as fear or reverence. And here what I mean by fear is uh, the fear in Psalm for God, who is holy, that leads that all the earth fear the lumble ourselves. In Psalm 33, 8, it is written, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. This awe, it's not as light. It's not as light of a feeling. It's not as light of an experience as wonder itself is. Take a moment and go with me to Exodus chapter 3. Uh, we'll start in verse 2. And to give you some background, uh, Moses has run away from Egypt after killing a man, and he has spent about 40 years in Midian at this point. And uh, God decides to pay him a little visit. So the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses first experiences wonder when he sees the bush. It captivates his attention, and he turns away from his usual path to go check it out. And that's what wonder does for us. It captivates us and draws us away from life as usual. And later he experiences awe, leading him to hide his face. However, the action I want you to pay attention to in this passage is when God tells Moses to remove the sandals from his feet. Understand, family, wonder and awe are participatory. It's not just an internal experience. It is something that requires action. It draws something out from us. So, for example, the removing of the shoes, that's a practice that I sometimes have myself, especially on heart nights here. So I'll just take my shoes off real quick and set them to the side. And it's just a reminder to myself that we are on holy ground to experience the awe and wonder of the moment with God. That is so often what worship is. It is an action born from wonder. In the case of worship, use, using music, you may see people like laying out on the floor. You may see people weeping. You may see people jumping up and down. And you may see people just sitting silently and just looking at the ceiling, just gazing. And that, all these are expressions, all of these are expressions of wonder. It is physical. It is a physical act. Like the lifting of the hands. Okay, so the lifting of the hands can represent surrender to God. The lifting of the hands can also just be reaching to the heavens to represent our desire just to be a little bit closer to our Father, just to touch him. And sometimes the lifting of the hands is like what David wrote, the evening sacrifice, which was the sacrifice given uh, with that uh, God promised in return he would give his presence. So what then is our response to wonder? It is both awe, which is weighty reverence, and wonder, a joyous amazement. Both of these inward experiences inspire some sort of active participation which can be as expressive as dancing or as simple as just sitting and 
gazing into heaven. So whatever the response is, it pulls us in fascination towards God and away from life as usual. Now, I asked some of the people in my life, uh, what inspires the wonder of God inside of them? And I got so many different types of answers, which shows you, I mean, the earth is full of the wonders of God, and it doesn't come from just one place or one circumstance. But there are three categories that I want to highlight. First is the category of creation. We see the wonder in creation. One friend talked about how she is inspired to wonder by the fact that God is just, he is an intentional creator. She said that every single leaf she read of every single tree is actually unique and different. And she said, and I'm quoting her at this point, like, why? If I was God, I'd be like, there are two different types of leaves. Bam. I'd be efficient. (laughs) God is an artist, though, and artists aren't always efficient. He is an intentional creator and doesn't just say, I'm a fart and see what comes out. So, and he's right. And I was in the middle of Macy's cracking up and people were staring at me. But it's all right. But she was right. This is indeed a wonder, and it inspires wonder inside of us. I mean, I love hearing how God talks about the mysteries of creation at the end of Job. So just a reminder of what's going on in Job. Uh, God allows Satan to take absolutely everything away from Job and says, of course, and says, Job will not curse my name. So when Job is at his lowest point, he's sitting in the dirt. Four of his friends show up and are trying to explain why these bad things are likely happening to Job. And Job himself is questioning God, even though he doesn't actually ever curse God's name. And then God comes in in a whirlwind and essentially says, you know, well, he comes in on a whirlwind giving them the divine side eye. So if you, he does this, he does this with me quite often, but divine side, you know, side eye, that, that side long glance out the corner of your eyes saying like, what you talking about? So comes in and essentially says, I'm going to need three of your friends to take several seats and Job, you talking too much too. Now it's my turn. And he goes on to say, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth and the stars were singing? And where was Job behind when I set the limits of the ocean and said, you will come no further? I mean, he goes on and on in this marvelous way. I'm mean, hearing God talk about his own creation is amazing. Just I take some time and just read that. It's, it's great. And Job's response is, <laughs> I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me. And I mean It's, and indeed, creation is wonderful. The second category is new creation. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Followers of Jesus, as soon as we become a follower of him, we become a new creation, something the world has never seen before. And it is a wonder to see how God works in our lives, continue to transform us over time. I have a friend from my days of living in Kentucky who shared her testimony with me once. And I mean, the way she describes herself before she met Christ, someone full of anger and bitterness and regret and sadness, she was 
I mean, life was heavy and life was hurting and it was awful. And the thing is, is that the woman that I knew, the woman that I saw was someone after Christ. I said, really? You bitter? You're angry? It's like sugar will melt on this girl's tongue. She's just so sweet. And I just, and I'm just like, really? I mean, what God does when we become his followers, I love it. I am inspired to wonder every time I hear a testimony of God making us a new creation. And the third category I want to highlight is the wonder we find in humanity. Now, one friend mentioned that something that inspires wonder in him is how God draws people together in community. And I have to agree, because I talk about y'all a lot. To my colleagues and my friends, I'm just like, oh, did you know we did this together? Oh, I met this one person at Sanctuary. Oh, and she is just, you know what she's doing in her life? You know what he's doing in this life? And one day, a friend of mine looked at me. She said, you know some amazing people in the community. I love it. And I was later talking to God about it. I said, you know what? She's right. I do know some amazing people. So, and I really just love sitting after service sometimes and just closing my eyes and listening and hearing everybody talk. And there's laughter. And there's so much joy. And people are praying together. That is sweet. And it is wonderful. I mean, think about that. The way that God pulls and knits people together is a wonder to me. Now, experiencing awe and wonder is not actually easy. Uh, there are enemies of wonder in our lives. And Mary, the sister of Lazarus, and Martha knew this very well. So take a moment and go with me to Matthew 26, or you can read it on the screen. Um, I'll be reading from verses 6 through 10. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman, who's Mary, came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Mm. Mary's alabaster box. Man, I love that song. Uh, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Mary, at this point in her life, had already seen the wonders of God. She had sat at Jesus' feet just hearing him teach. She had seen him raise her brother from the dead. She had seen the wonders. The disciples, they too had seen the wonders. But why is it that they couldn't recognize it in this moment? They couldn't recognize the wonder and beauty of the moment in the way that Mary did. Why is it that sometimes we ourselves just can't seem to grasp that something amazing is happening right in front of us, that God is doing, is creating a wonder right before our very eyes? There are several things that rob us of this wonder, and I'll just pinpoint a couple of here. One is hardened hearts. So a hardened heart often emerges as skepticism and cynicism. However, wonder and awe require a childlike faith. A hardened heart is also unwillingness to change, but wonder and awe work a transformation inside of us. These things are in combat with one another. They can't exist together. 
For example, when Pharaoh saw the signs and wonders that God did in Egypt, he hardened his heart. He refused to believe. He refused to change. However, I want to reassure you, family, that we don't need to stay in the hardened heart moment. In Ezekiel eleven nineteen, God says, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. If we commit ourselves to following Jesus, he does the work of creating a new heart inside of us. And then there is this other enemy of wonder, fatigue. Fatigue robs us of awe and wonder. And why fatigue? Because awe and wonder, they require a certain strength of spirit in order to experience them, in order to recognize them. G.K. Chesterton wrote, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, therefore they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> yeah. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony, but perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. Mm. So my nephew, urging me to do the Mickey Mouse voice over and over and over again, he's just experiencing the wonder anew every time. And God making a different leaf every single time. It may not be automatic necessity, but him just being so excited and seeing the wonder in it every single time. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, do it again. I love it when you do that. <laughs> Man. I finally want to take a moment to talk about how we cultivate a heart and spirit that are sensitive to awe and wonder. Because it's not always easy to do this. You may look at a sunset and are just like moved by the wonder of God. And bam, there is your wonder for the day. You got it in there. That's awesome. But then sometimes you look at it and it's just like, Oh, man, I didn't get anything done today. Oh, shoot, I was not, oh, I missed this. Oh, oh I don't want to, why does tomorrow come? We got this deadline. It's like, wah, wah, wah. So sometimes you don't experience the wonder. It is a difficult thing to enter in. Sometimes, as a worship leader, I am up here, and I don't experience wonder until the very last word of the very last song of the service. And I'm up there the entire time actively trying to enter in, and it is hard you guys, sometimes it is just so hard. But there's a scene of a movie that reminds me sometimes finding wonder takes some work. That movie is Hook. Now, in the Bell family, the Bell family watches Hook. The Bell family is familiar with Hook. If you want to be part of the Bell family, you watch Hook. We quote it very often. So... <laughs> The premise of the film is that Peter Pan, he's left Neverland, he's grown up, he's forgotten who he is, but then Hook kidnaps his kids. So Tink takes him back to Neverland so he can get 
prepared for this like final showdown with Hook along with the Lost Boys. Problem is, the Lost Boys don't recognize him either. So they're like, who are you coming in here trying to, no, 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 you can't lead us. And Rufio, I loved Rufio. Rufio comes in and draws a line in the sand, in the dirt that is. And he says, pretty much, if you're going to be with me, then come to this side. But if you want to be with that adult that Tink claims is Peter Pan, you can go over to his side. And only one, one little boy stays on the side with Pan. And this is a scene that shows what happens next. time at that scene. It's like, my heart. Uh, that little boy, he had the faith to continue looking, even though he didn't immediately recognize Peter Pan. He had to move Peter's face around, you know. We get older, our faces change. It's okay, though. And, I mean, my dad and I, when we talk about those moments when we have to actively search and actively seek for the wonder of God, and when we finally found it, we say we have one of those moments of, oh, there you are, God. I told you we really love Hook. <laughs> How then do we go about cultivating a heart and spirit ready to find wonder? One of the many ways to do so is lingering in God's presence. Let's take a page out of Joshua's book. Joshua was the successor of Moses. And when Moses would go out to the tent of meeting, this is the place that was created before Israel made the tabernacle as the more permanent place of worship. He would go out to the tent of meeting with Moses where Moses would talk to God face to face as with a friend. And there were those moments when Moses left, but Joshua stayed. And Joshua lingered at the tent. Now, lingering can be done through extending your time reading the Bible. Re lingering can be done extending prayer time. Lingering can be done in worship service. You may see us just spend time on one song and repeat something over and over and over and over and over again. It's just staying a little bit longer in that moment. Child, did you linger a little while longer? Okay, got to keep going. Um, another of the many ways to cultivate uh, readiness for on wonder is to remember times when you experienced them before. Now, this can be done individually by creating some sort of memorial um, for the experiences. I like to journal, and I write poems, and I write stories and songs. 
I know people who paint out these memorials, these just remembering the good things that God has done, and not just the good things God has done, but just the just remembering those things that cause wonder inside of you, even if it's not something that God has done for you. And some people even like do the one second video a day or one minute of every day. It's just they have a little clip and they collect it over the course of a year. Then they go back and watch all of it so they can remember. I mean, these are excellent. These are excellent tools to use to help you keep that in mind. Now, not everything is everybody's business. So not everybody got to know what's going on in your life. You can keep, keep some of this to yourself. Some of it's not appropriate to share with everyone. Um, and some of it is you delay in telling people. You're not supposed to tell them immediately. In our family, we say, you know, it's time, you got to keep that in the prayer closet. That's what we call it. However, when it is appropriate, it is very important to remember alongside other people the wonders of God, whether it's with everyone or with just a few select people. In Psalms 105, verses 1 to 2, it is written, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people, sing to him, sing psalms to him, talk of all his wondrous works. Talk about what he's done, people. Like, talk to each other. Get around each other and, like, get each other hyped up about it. So I challenge you this week, talk to at least one other person about the wonders of God, whether that wonder may be that amazing food that's sitting on your plate right that second, and you're like, mm, mm, I know that he made this from me. Yes, Jesus. And it could also just be about your own testimony, like what God has done in your own life. This is a wonderful thing to do. It's an excellent practice to have. Do it often. Um, as I'm wrapping up now, I know that not everybody is able to think of wonder. Sometimes it's just hard. Sometimes we are in the middle of some like really rough stuff and we just can't, we just can't remember how God has been good. And so I want to give you this reminder of one of the ways, one of the wonders, and our Jesus is a wonder. I mean, the fact that God missed us so much. He wanted to be with us so much. He loved us so much and knew that he, and only he could save us, he came to the earth. He came as a baby, dependent on all of this. What? The God of the universe decided he was going to become an infant and depend on other people for his life? And the fact that it was his voice, that same voice that created galaxies, is the voice that talked with us. It's the fact that he reached his hands out when we were sick, the fact that he laid out with no roof over his head. It is the fact that that voice that created galaxies spoke the name of Lazarus, reached through space and time and snatched his soul from the grave. It is the fact that that very same voice that when the soldiers came to take him from Gethsemane, that same voice that spoke from the burning bush saying, I am that I am. When they came and said, we are looking for Jesus, he said, I am he. And they were hit so hard by that voice that they fell back away from him. That same Jesus who endured such great torture and pain, God endured torture and pain and surrendered his life, gave it up, he rose three days later, but he didn't immediately leave, you guys. He 
He spent 40 days walking with us to reassure us, to tell us what's coming. He told us that we wouldn't be left as orphans, that someone else was coming afterward. And then he rose, and even as he rose and ascended into the sky, he blessed us. He spoke over us a word of blessing and love. And even now he sits at the right hand of the Father and speaks on our behalf. Oh, you guys. And it is so sweet to know that he didn't just leave us as orphans. He sent someone after. They didn't know what was coming. They just knew that someone, something was being sent and they were told to go and gather. Next week is Pentecost. The 120 went and gathered. They didn't know what was coming. They didn't know what to expect, but they knew something was and they expected it. They expected wonder. You guys, you guys expect wonder because when we expect it, he does indeed meet our expectations, goes beyond them, blows them out of the water. Mm. You all, this part of what birthed this word inside of me is I was sitting with some friends and we were eating dinner called Michelle and Brianna. Y'all know them, they're awesome. <laughs> and uh, we were just sitting there talking about the goodness of God. And, and suddenly I felt God say to me, I'm going to do something this summer. And I stopped. And I said, guys, guys, I think God's going to do something. They said, we think so. We're feeling that too. So I started praying. And we started worshiping. We started singing and praising God because we knew that he would fulfill his word. And even now we like hype each other up every now and again, like, oh, summer's coming up. Oh, and we just, we really get into it. Get around people who hype you up about the wonder that is coming your way. Get around people, get a tribe that gets you riled up for the wonders of God. So sanctuary, my family, I want you all to be expectant of this wonder that's coming. Know he's coming this summer. I don't know what's coming, but it's gonna be good. Oh, I don't know what it is, but I'm just, I'm ready for it. I'm looking for it. Like, I feel it in my bones. You're about to move. Come on, you guys. It's just, I want you all to get yourselves prepared. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your minds. Prepare your spirits to be ready to recognize the wonder. If you're tired, know that he will give you strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait in hope and trust in our God. Uh, and even now we're about to sing a song, Wonder. And I'll introduce the song, do the verse and the chorus, and then we'll go into a communion time. But when we get to, there will come a point where I'm going to encourage you all to lift your hands up to the sky, reaching to the Father, because you just want to be that much closer to our God in heaven. And if you are new with us and you are not a follower of Jesus, I just say, don't feel pressure, do it. Followers of Jesus, feel the pressure. 
Like there's, there's something that God does inside of a community. I mean, there's a whole nother message that can be done about, about the way that God moves when people are working in unity to seek after him that just, that he doesn't do when it's just us doing it individually. So I want us together to respond to the wonder with a physical act of raising our hands. And I'll let you know when I'm cueing you in and you're like, before that, take the time to just worship and respond to wonder however you normally do. But I want to push you to go into that place. If that's already your comfort zone, well, then you're in good company. For those that's not your comfort zone, we're going to draw you in away from the familiar path as wonder does. So just take a moment, bow your heads. Holy Father, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace, we worship you. We thank you for the wonder that you've brought into our lives. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who just I mean, oh, the wonder that he is all on his own. It inspires song after song. It inspires dance. It inspires us to just sit and be captivated and fascinated. So, Lord, we just, we know that sometimes there are things in our lives that rob us of wonder. But we don't want to lose it, Lord. We don't want to lose it, Lord. So just meet us. Meet us where we are and renew the wonder inside of us. <laughs> 